Hey beautiful, welcome back to the pod. So good to have you here. How are you feeling? I've personally I've been sick. I caught a cold while being in nature. I visited my husband's family's um cottage out which is an on an island, a small island in central Finland and there's no electricity and it's really wonderful to go there to to unwind and to relax, but uh, yeah, I came back with a cold. So I've been resting and this episode was delayed because of that, but here we are and I'm excited to finally be giving you this episode with Sarah Blodgett where we're going to talk about the feminine archetypes, which for some reason I've never covered on this podcast. I thought it was would be really interesting to cover that now and uh, with Sarah it was more interesting for me to interview her and ask her about these, which was really fun. And if you are keen to just go right into that portion of this interview, then it's it's around 24 minutes into this interview where we start talking about the feminine archetypes. So just for you to know, there's a well, that's your timestamp, <laughs> right? And um, and I also want to say that just so none of none of you is taking or are taking things too literally, what an archetype means in from a psychological perspective is an inherited idea or mode of thought in psychology and it's derived from our experience as humans throughout the ages it's it's the it's a representation of our unconscious and i'm saying this just because i don't want any of any one of you to come back to me saying that i'm claiming that we should in the most literal sense start being huntresses or witches or whatever the heck okay so these are archetypes these are representational um concepts okay right so let's have that consideration for what we're actually trying to achieve with this conversation but this was so fun and it's so fun to learn about these things because you start noticing okay maybe i've not been tapping into my mother archetype that nurturing energy in me or maybe i haven't had fierce boundaries before which is the huntress and so on and so forth so so excited for this conversation and again thank you so much to my patrons so many amazing things are coming up for you on patreon this month and um so many exciting episodes i also have uh instagram lives coming up this month while i'm releasing the song dolce sweetness if you haven't pre-saved that please link the or link pre please click the link in the show notes and you can also join my email list uh, for my artists for my music um the link is there as well you can check out my website and so excited to get this song out for you and to have these conversations with women Um, around the topics of softness and sweetness and all the wonderful things that we get to celebrate as being women as as you know as feminine beings so be on the lookout for that the song is coming out in a week and if you're listening to this later then the song is already out so that's amazing you can just go check it out you can buy it on itunes that also helps (laughs) obviously more than just streaming it but that's also cool and uh, please share share the song share these episodes share this interview if it's if it has been uh, interesting if you learned something new and consider joining my patreon that's that's an amazing place for you to be in closer proximity to me and and all the exclusive stuff that i create over on there but anyway let's jump into this episode Welcome back, everybody, to the Vibrant Flow podcast. And today we have Sarah Blodgett from the Everyday Starlet here with us. And I'm so excited for this conversation. We're going to dive into the feminine archetypes. We're probably going to touch upon some films that you all have seen and how those play out in in those. And as well, Sarah's journey from stand-up to now being a teacher in uh, feminine, masculine um, energies and uh, polarity. And that's, that's just our jam, right? So <laughs> Sarah is a teacher, a speaker, an influencer, and the creator of Everyday Starlet, a brand designed to inspire women to embody their feminine energy and be the star of their own life. An advocate of healthy masculinity, Sarah helps men and women connect to their natural core energies and understand the importance of sexual polarity in relationships. 
I love that. So welcome, Sarah. I'm so excited to have you here. How are you feeling? <laughs> Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here. It's going to be a great conversation. It will. It will yes. definitely. And um, before we start off, I need to ask you some really random questions. Uh, do you do you drink tea or coffee? Tea. Okay, sure. great. Great. That's actually been everyone thus far. I, I mean, like I'm jamming with the right people. <laughs> that's, well, that's weird because like, I, I always feel like a, an outsider because everybody I know drinks coffee and people all think that I'm like weird because I drink tea. Really? Okay. I wonder if well, that's, but it might yeah. be like a European thing or something. I think more like, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe it's like with like women that are more into health and whatnot, maybe, maybe more into tea that have been on that. the podcast. Maybe that's yeah. the common thread. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I can't, I really can't do coffee. It just me makes either. me really jittery, but okay. What is your element that you feel like right now out of the four basic elements? What do you resonate with the most? Ooh, that's a good one. I would say, I would say water. I think I, I definitely feel, um, because a big part of my journey, at least recently, has been very much like connecting to my own flow. And I feel myself as being very um, like flowy, like water, like kind of moving around. I mean, I'm, I'm, I live in like salt baths and stuff like that. So yeah, I definitely, <laughs> definitely have a connection to water. Yes. Yeah. It's definitely feels like a feminine element mm. in so many ways. Yeah. Mm. Okay. So do you prefer audiobooks or physical books? Physical books for sure. I don't think I've ever listened to an audiobook now that really? I think about it. This is the first person have. that has ever said that. <laughs> I don't, wow. Yeah, I don't think I ever have that I think about. I don't know. I, I like sitting down with and I can't I will do an ebook if it's something I really want to read and it only comes in ebook or whatever, mm-hmm. but like I really prefer like I'm old school. I like the actual yes. feeling of a book. Yeah, I, I I'm the same and I smell the pages as well. <laughs> a new book is like I smell literally I nice. open the book and I smell the pages. I love that the sensations <laughs> of it like you're literally taking in the book when you're breathing in the book I love that literally that's yes. what I'm yes. doing like, I'm embracing the book with all of my you know sensual awareness I love right. that <laughs> okay so I want to jump into your story because I know that you you've been in stand-up is it are, are you still in stand-up? Do you still do that? Or is it like, have you moved on from that? Or how does that play out? Um, well, I, I was a stand-up comedian for about 15 years. So mm-hmm. like most of my adult life. And I'm not, I'm not currently doing it. I haven't like, I mean, I, t- I say I'm like, actually, I joke with people that I'm like in recovery from stand-up comedy. Um, but I, I'm not, I wouldn't say I would never do it again. It's just, it's just really not like, currently something that I'm I'm doing or focused on and it's been a few years since I've been on stage so I feel like if I did get back on stage I'd be very rusty (laughs) right so I'm so curious like first of all how did you end up in stand-up comedy was it something that you always wanted to do I mean no I know that you have this natural sense of humor and it's 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 amazing but I'm, I'm really curious like was it something that you decided as a 16 year old hey this is what I'm gonna do Um, Well, no, I actually, I always wanted to be an actress. That was kind of my, I think, I think in reality, I always wanted to be a performer, but you know, in my youth, being an actress was really the only thing that you thought of when you thought about being a performer. And I was like a drama nerd in high school and, and everything. So I loved being on stage. It's so funny because I was always, I was so unbelievably shy like people that knew me, like know me now, like from when I was a kid will literally say that they had no idea what my voice even sounded like because I never spoke. Like I was such a shy, quiet kid. But when I got on stage, it was just like, I just like lit up. I was like, this is where I meant to be. Like I was so like, I just loved being on stage, but I didn't think of stand up. It's like, I would watch stand up on TV and things like that. But, and I, I always loved comedic acting more than dramatic acting. I just loved being the person that like got the big laugh line or whatever it like, but I didn't think of stand up as being something I necessarily would do, but I kind of had this dream. I think that my goal was, I loved sitcoms as a kid. So I kind of had this idea that like, well, I want to grow up and I want to have my own sitcom. 
And then I realized that most people that had sitcoms were comedians who then got a sitcom based on their comedy act. So I was like, so naive. I was like 25 years old. I found this random, like adult education, like stand-up comedy class. And I was like, you know, I bet I could like write like five minutes and just like, I'll be so cute and adorable. I thought I was going to be like the pretty Roseanne. Like I was like, cause you know, she had like her sitcom for so many years. And I was like, I'm like the pretty Roseanne bar. Right. And I I'll just do five minutes. I'll get up on stage. I'll get discovered and then I'll be famous. And it'll be like, and of course that doesn't happen. <laughs> it takes more work than that, but I was young and naive. So I did comedy class and I did my first comedy show and it is absolutely addicting. Like it completely, when you get up on stage and you, something that you've written, like you deliver and then people like laugh and get like joy out of that. It's just like if the first time you do it, it's like you're hooked it because it's yeah. just so intoxicating. And so 15 years later, <laughs> I'm <like> still <laughs> doing it. Wow. Yeah. I can, I can relate to that. Not, not to the laugh part so much, but as a musician, like there's that, mm -hmm. that element of, of addiction that comes from the adrenaline and being able to deliver and perform something that you have created that has an impact Mm. the audience whether it, for you it's laughs mm -hmm. for me would preferably not be laughs yeah, when, yeah. I <laughs> when I'm singing but yeah an emotion anyway. yeah exactly <laughs> right yeah okay so yeah I can relate to that like yeah. naive naivete that you have as well so so much yeah <laughs> <laughs> all right so what was the best part other than what you just said, like the, mm -hmm. the reaction, the immediate reaction that you see um, your lines, like um, um, create in other people. Other than that, what was the best thing in those 15, 15 years? Well, I loved the, I mean, I love being on stage. I love the adrenaline of being on stage. I love the performance aspect. I loved all that, but I really, really, loved connecting with people like when people would come up to me after a comedy show and they would say to me like oh that thing that you talked about like I went through that same thing or that happened to me too or like I had that same experience and it was that like connection with people that like they related to something I said because it was humorous it was a little bit more um it was not really relatable but I think it was easier for them to then have a connection with me because I made it humorous as opposed to it's not something that people would normally just like talk about. And I, like, I've struggled with my weight my whole life. So I did a lot of stuff in my comedy act talking about my weight struggles and things. And I would get people come up to me after like a show and be like, Oh my God, like I, I lost like 50 pounds and whatever, like I did this or I got healthier, you know, or I would talk about like, <laughs> bad dates. I totally thought I was going to be like the Carrie Bradshaw stand up. So I was always like, I'm talking about my bad dating experiences and stuff. And I would talk about those things. And then I get like women that would come up to me after a show and be like, Oh my God, I went through that same thing with a guy. And like that happened. And it was like, I really loved that connection of like realizing that we're kind of, we're kind of all experiencing the same things in life. Like we have a lot more in common than we have different. Mm, yep. Yep. Yeah. So true. So true. And what was the most challenging aspect of that journey? Well, I mean, it is the entertainment business. Mm. So there's a lot of aspects to the entertainment industry. And obviously I wasn't in Hollywood or anything. I was doing it in Boston, which is a pretty big comedy city, but, um, it's also a very big, it's a very male dominated industry. I joke with people a lot that like it's, in comedy, there's no HR department. Like you can't go to someone and be like, Hey, this person sexually harassed me. And like, let's take care of this. And they're like, let's write up a form. It's like, no, I just got to deal with it or not. And there was also the aspect, I mean, even though like not, not everybody is, is creepy or, you know, chauvinistic or whatever, mm -hmm. although I did build up a pretty high tolerance for chauvinism over the years, but I think I was surrounded by males primarily, not necessarily men. <laughs> a lot of them were, um, boys, a lot of man children. Mm -hmm. So it definitely did give me a very skewed view of what men were like, 
because I wasn't necessarily dealing with men who had really stepped into a healthy masculinity. And I also was, I mean, I was working, I mean, I did do some really nice shows and like beautiful venues and stuff, but a lot of comedy, especially when you're starting out is doing a lot of shows in some really sketchy bars, some really bad areas, bad neighborhoods, places that I look back on. I'm like, how did I even get out of that alive? Like I should not have been in that venue. Like that was not a good idea. But I, I think like I, I kind of wanted to be me. I wanted to be my girly self. I definitely lost myself in certain points along the way of like trying to fit in and then like trying to be, I'm not, I can't really pull off being one of the guys, so to speak. Like I'm yeah, just not, yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm not like that, but <laughs> I, I did feel like I had to downplay some of my girliness downplay. Mm-hmm. I definitely felt like I had to suppress any sexual energy completely to keep myself safe. And so there was definitely a part of me that was suppressing who I truly was. And I didn't really feel like I could fully be myself because I had to be in this little narrow box. And and to some extent, there is a, a valid reason for that. Like I had, when I got up on stage to perform, I had like 30 seconds, really, and we only fit more like 15 seconds to let everybody know exactly who I was so they could be on board with what I was about to talk about. Yeah. So if I got up because my act was not about the typical, which is very common in female comics, especially the era that I was coming up in of like getting drunk and sleeping around. And that's just not my style, like more power to people that embody that, but that's just not me. So especially because I was young, I think I had to get up on stage and I had to let everybody know like, hey, that's not what I'm going to talk about. Like, I'm not here to talk about how many guys I've hooked up with and whatever. So like, I felt like I had to suppress any of that that might be in me because I had to let everybody know right away, like, okay, this is what I'm bringing to the table. So Mm. I definitely felt very um, limited in, in my ways that I could express myself. Right, right. Yeah, I can imagine how that plays out. I can definitely imagine that. So how does femininity, like where, where did that like, come into play like was it always something that you were conscious about or was it a pro you know a journey like it for most of us it has been like I'm really curious like where where did where did your interest um towards femininity and masculinity where where did it come from well I definitely think I've always been a very curious child (laughs) like so I was always very um I don't know. I was always questioning things and I was always questioning the things that I was being told. And I definitely think growing up in my time period, especially, especially in the area that I grew up in, because I talked to some people who tell me different stories in other parts of the world and even parts of the U S and stuff. But I grew up in a very, very liberal, very progressive part of the country. And so there was a very big push I mean, I grew up in like a 90s feminism is what I call it. Um, some people call it like a new wave or I don't, I don't know anything about the waves of feminism and how that works and stuff. But it was a very 90s feminism of this push for women. It, it was it was past the idea that women can choose whether or not they want to be a career woman or or be a stay at home mom or something. And it was in that era of, OK, no, you have to want to be a career woman. Like there was that push to that. And I remember always questioning like, well, but why? Like, why isn't embracing a traditional marriage or traditional relationships or being a mom? Like, why isn't that stuff valid? And it was like this constant, like, no, you're not supposed to want that. Like, you're not Mm -hmm. supposed to want those things. And I was always, (laughs) I was kind of a stubborn kid. So I'd be like, well, if I'm not supposed to, then I do want those things. Like, you you can't (laughs) tell me what to do which is kind of the opposite of embracing your feminine probably. Well, actually, no, I would say that's actually, it's very much a divine feminine attitude of like, oh, you think you can tell me I have to be this? Well, I'm not going to be this then. Um, So I've kind of always had this sort of conflict in my mind about the concept that women were being so pushed into having to be like boys or having to be like men or having to compete with men or do the things that men traditionally did. And I always had this very traditional view of relationships. Like, well, no, the, the guy's supposed to make the first move and he's supposed to ask the woman out. And like, people would look at me and be like, people don't do that anymore. Like, what are you talking about? So 
I, I kind of, I always carried a little bit of that with me, even as a, as a child. And I think too, it's interesting how many things that I look back on that I did as a kid instinctually that now that I've studied masculine feminine energies and things like that and been connected to my feminine, I was like, oh my God, I naturally did this as a kid. Like I would naturally just like go into my bedroom turn on music and just like dance everything out. Like if I was feeling emotional or feeling sad or something, I'd just be like, I'm just going to like dance it all out. I'm going to move it around. I'm going to like, and, and it was just, it was instinctual for me. Mm. And I also used to have, I joke, like even like junior high, high school, like I had like my spa days. It was like Saturday was like, this is my spa day. Like, this is the day that I have my bath. I do my face masks. I do my hair treatments. Like nobody messed with me on Saturday because like, this is my thing. <laughs> like I would just like lock myself in the bathroom and have like my girly days and stuff. And like, none of my friends were doing that. Like none of them cared about that kind of stuff, but I was just sort of like, no, like I, I want to do my beauty treatments. I want to be girly and I want to embrace that. But it was kind of also something I felt like I had to do in secret because it wasn't something that a lot of other girls were doing my age. So it was kind of like other girls were like, no, we want to like play sports with boys. And I was like, I want to do a face mask today. And it was <laughs> like, you know, it was just kind of, I was always like an outsider in that sense. Right. So then if, yeah. 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 yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Well, then getting into stand up too, it was kind of like, again, there was more of a rejection of that. But then I do think towards the end of my comedy career, I kind of started to rebel and be like, oh, I'm going to wear pretty dresses and I don't care what anybody thinks. Like it was that stubbornness was coming out of me. But that's actually one of the reasons I created my blog, Everyday Starlet, originally. Um, I was about 10 years into doing stand up and I just felt like I wanted a space where I could be like unapologetically girly. And it was still surface girly, like surface feminine at the time, because that's really all that I knew. But it was, you know, it was kind of like lifestyle. I was doing makeup. I was doing fashion. I was doing like whatever. I didn't really know what I was going to do with it, but I just like created it. And then I got in on the beauty blogger trend and like I got the beauty YouTube channel going and I kind of gained a little bit of a following through that. And that's kind of when I just started. I mean, I had a lot of stuff going on in my personal life at the time. I ended up in a, a very short marriage and a messy divorce that really like <laughs> woke me up to a lot of patterns and a lot of things in my life and went through a lot of stuff with my family. And it was all kinds of stuff. Like my whole life just kind of went into this big tailspin and, and this whirlwind. And I, I think I just got to a point where I was like looking for answers and I just didn't know where to find them. But I started to kind of just like let go and just like see what, like anytime something seemed to interest me, I was like, I'm just going to follow that path. And that's kind of how I fell into like my Instagram content was I wanted to kind of, I have always had body image issues and stuff. So I wanted to kind of learn to be comfortable and confident in my body. So I started posting more like lingerie content on my Instagram, which gained me a a following of a whole bunch more creepy men than what I was already dealing with in the first place. So they always managed to find me no matter what I do. But um, I did, you know, started to gain a lot of female support as well from, you know, trying to inspire women to love their bodies, love themselves. But it was still a very surface feminine aspect. But I think I was getting deeper each time, each time I found something. And then I kind of came across the concept of masculine feminine energies. And this was maybe maybe a little over two years ago. And it was literally like this, like everything in life made sense. Like it just all came together. And I was just sort of like, this was stuff I was always thinking. It was stuff I was always feeling. I just didn't have the terminology for it. I didn't have the words for it. And it was just like, everything just started to come together for me. And I didn't necessarily know that I was going to start talking about it, but I just like dove into studying everything. Like I was just like this like sponge that was just like absorbing. I took workshops and classes and read books and like it was just like everything I could get my hands on. And at a certain point I was like, well, this is really what my life is now. I kind of have to start talking about it because like nothing else seemed to make sense to talk about. So that's sort of how I fell into it. Mm, yeah, I can definitely relate to that. Like, you just feel like you have to ta start talking about it because yeah. <laughs> I know the feeling like when things just start to make sense and you're like, yeah, yeah, duh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I'm just so 
that, that just highlighted some points, like, first of all, the 90s and, and um, this idea that, of course, you're going to go into um, career, of course, you're going to uh, prioritize that over everything like, like that, that is just, and if what it was for me, like it has been like that for me before I went through my own personal, like aha moment with my <laughs> femininity journey. Like what, like, why am I even thinking that? Like, what, mm-hmm. what am I actually believing and, and where does that come from? And has it been, has it just been this, um, programming that I've accepted and it's it's so interesting how we're swinging from one end of the spectrum or one you know um far end of the spectrum to to the other end like really quickly in this mm. time span of like no of course you're going to be at home that's you know no other option and then now we're on the other end of that um mm. pendulum uh it's it's so interesting but a lot of women are now waking up to like not everyone, it's not for everyone. I, I know that some women do want to uh, prioritize their careers and all power to them. It's, it's, it's a personal choice. But what I'm concerned with is that, do you know where your convictions come from? Like, do you know what you actually desire? Or are you, are you denying them because you should be a girl boss? <laughs> <laughs> right, because you're being told that that's what you're supposed to do. Yeah, I'm the same way. Like, it's like you... If a woman is really aligned with having a career and having her career be the most important thing, then by all means, go for it. Like, I don't think we we don't have to have a world where we tell women or anybody really that they only have one option because that's that's more limiting. And it's actually it's against the thing that we claim that we're fighting for. Like we claim we're fighting for freedom, really. But in the end of the day, we're just fighting to be forced to do something yeah. different than what we were forced to do originally. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So yeah, that's, that's the point, like educating. I feel like with, with you and, and, and with what I do is like educating women to see um, how to tune in so that you can actually see and feel what you want and what is like mm. coming from deep within you and not that what has come from the outside and like, this is how, what you have to do. This is, this is how life goes. This is what women do these days and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. So yeah, that's, that's definitely where we're on the same page. Mm-hmm. So um, what I wanted to talk about was the feminine archetypes because I haven't really covered them on this podcast yet. And I've been wanting to, and now I really want to dive into them, um, are these seven basic archetypes. I think it's like, Carl Jung is like where where we where we come from when it comes to archetypes in general and psychology, but I don't know with the feminine archetypes like who who actually came up with those. I don't know if if you know about that, but let's just go through like what are the seven archetypes, and what is your like stand on like can you as one woman embody all of them more than one like how does that play out well the origin of them I mean again I don't really know specifically the origin of them and I do think like I hear different um there's different variations on them I think that there's the seven standard that I'll go over it here but I do think there's people who kind of tap into them a little bit differently I think some of them come from some of the goddesses and like say Hindu culture or things like that I think that there's there is some some Jungian psychology that goes along with it so I think, you know, none of these things are, I mean, as with just about anything when it comes to especially feminine energy, nothing is really set in stone. It's kind of always in this flow, right? So um, I always say like, take these things as a guideline, but like if something doesn't resonate for you, it doesn't have to resonate for you kind of thing. So, um, but for me, when I first started hearing about some of these archetypes, it was so eye-opening for me because I, again, like I'd said before, I had felt so stuck in this box of like, I had to be, I had to define myself in a certain way in order to be viewed a certain way by an audience. And then of course that just taps into your everyday life. Cause you're kind of like in that mindset all the time. And I always felt like, Oh, but I'm so, I feel like I'm more than, than just this one person. And it was almost like it was, it was wrong, so to speak for me to be more than 
one person. And so then when I started hearing about the feminine archetypes, it was like, oh my God, I can be all of these things and still be me. It's not, I don't have to be this one person. And there's variations on them. Some people I think believe that you are in certain archetypes at certain stages in your life. Um, I don't necessarily subscribe to that quite as much. Like some people believe that you are you're in your maiden energy in you know, your youth, and then you're in your mother energy. Like once you become a mom or you're at a certain phase in your life, and then you turn into the, I don't like the, I don't like the term crone. I prefer wise woman, but that you connect with your wise woman, you know, after you end your mother phase in your life. And that's sort of like grandmother phase. I don't personally a- adopt that mentality. I, cause I really do believe that you can be in your maiden, your mother, your wise woman, or any of the other archetypes, which we can go over um, in any phase in your life, at any stage in your life. I think, you know, I really do believe that you can, I think I embody a lot of maiden energy in myself in my everyday life. And I'm certainly beyond, beyond my, my maiden years, as far as people would say, I also think I've embodied the mother energy, even as a kid, you know, and so it's not necessarily, I think I've always been a wise woman. I've always been kind of a you know, an old soul, so to speak. So I think you can, you can be in all of these. And I really do believe that as women, we do contain all of the feminine archetypes. Like they're all within us, but because of society, because of the way that many of us have been raised or the variations in, and even in personality types, which is the way you've been raised, I think we're often much more comfortable tapping into certain ones than other ones. And I think it's actually really beneficial for all of us. And I encourage all women to tap into the ones that you may not even be that comfortable with because it just makes you overall just more connected with more of yourself. And so, you know, there's usually ones that, that people, again, are more comfortable in than others. So the seven archetypes are, let me see, it's like, it's like naming the seven dwarves. I got to remember all of them. Um, there's the maiden, the mother, the wise woman, the wild woman, the lover, the huntress. I forget that's six. I'm forgetting one. There's always one I forget. Is, there, is that is queen like queen? Queen, what, queen. That? There we go. Queen. How did I forget right. the queen? I forgot the queen. Oh man. Oh, the queen's gonna be so mad at me. Um. Yeah. yeah. Okay. The queen. There we go. The queen. That was. I knew. I knew. I, was, I knew. I was missing one. I usually miss the wise woman. I feel like, which is really ironic that I do that. But, um. Yeah. So those are the seven archetypes, and. Again, they're all connected to us. There are some that I think like the, they're all the feminine archetypes, but say, for example, if you take the huntress, the huntress tends to be the most masculine of all of the feminine archetypes. So the huntress would be more of the equivalent of a, of a masculine warrior, so to speak, but in, in your own inner feminine, so to speak, in the Mm. same way that there are masculine archetypes in the same way that in the masculine archetypes, the masculine lover energy tends to be the most feminine of all of their archetypes. So there is, there are masculine archetypes. There are fewer of them because men are just simpler than women are in general. But, um, but yeah, but for women that those, those would be the, would be the seven. Right. Right. Okay. So if we dive into like, I don't know, let's, well, let's start off with maiden because like, okay, if, if we're thinking about like this linear timeline that we don't just subscribe to, but okay. If it's a, a sort of like rough guideline, okay. We're starting off with the maiden. So when you are in your maiden energy or embodying that maiden, what does it look like? Like, what are we talking about? See, I, I like to think of the maiden as kind of your, your Disney princess. Like she's, she's wide eyed and she is optimistic. She is like open to life. She is. And I think a lot of people shame that because there's, there is an aspect that when you are in your maiden energy and you don't connect to any other energy, you can very easily get taken advantage of. So that's one of the reasons why it's important to embody all the different aspects. But I don't think that I would love to see more people embrace the maiden energies, particularly later in life, because I feel like it's, it's a fun energy. It's just Mm. a fun, playful, it's a youthful energy. I really do believe that women can embody that energy at any stage in their, in their life. I mean, I, I don't think we should ever completely lose that, that wide-eyed optimism, that, 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 
the belief in the fairy tales and all that stuff. And I mean, I know people are probably going to be like, that's pretty naive, but I don't know. I, it's just more fun to live that way. You know what I mean? Like it's just, oh, yeah, more... we're, we're here for it. We're definitely yes, here for exactly. it. Exactly. Oh yes. yeah. Yeah. So like playfulness, all of that I've been talking about it so many times on this podcast, like how important it is. And, and this made an energy, like you can just bring so much joy to your normal, like day-to-day life and, and to your relationship. And if, cause it, like I was, I was in my, I don't know, like this hard masculine shield uh, and everything serious, like that kind of life, it, it's not juicy. It doesn't feel good. So embodying that maiden energy, like being that Disney princess, like it's fun. And my goodness, like we need more of that. Like, yes, Absolutely. we're adulting, we're adulting our asses off. Like th- we, we know how to do that, <laughs> but we need to relearn the maiden energy and we relearn to um, embody that so that we just we just get to have more fun and and have that innocent like playfulness it's it's so it's so wonderful and it's 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 magnetic i would say and it's optimistic too because i you know at a certain point and like i used to believe me in my years in stand-up i i was a card-carrying pessimist i wore it like a badge of honor but it's just since I've done a lot of this work and stuff and I've become more optimistic, it's just, it's just more fun to live an optimistic life. And I I get some people that will comment in some of my content and they'll be like, but, but like, what about this? Or like, you know, um, how do you believe in this? And I'm like, well, because it's just more fun to believe in it. Like it doesn't, I mean, even if I don't have the evidence in front of me that something is true, it's more fun for me to believe that it's possible. So why not believe it is possible? Cause it just, at the end of the day, if it's not possible, then okay, whatever, I can just move on something else. But it's, it's, it's more fun to live that way. Yeah. Mm, yeah. Yep. So moving on to, let's say the mother, mm-hmm. what, what does the mother archetype, what, what does she look like? Well, I think a big distinction that I think needs to be made when we talk about the mother archetype is that we have this very stereotypical image of what a mother is nowadays. And that's not really what divine mother energy is. Um, we, it's portrayed in the media and sitcoms and stuff. This idea of this very micromanaging, controlling mother, um, which that stuff is all very masculine energy. It's all very like, it needs to be structured. It needs to be controlled. I need to make sure my kids are, you know, at this place at this time. And the meal is at this place in this time. And that's all very masculine energy. And I'm not saying that that stuff isn't necessary at certain points in, in life, but, um, the actual mother archetype, you don't actually have to physically be a mother in order to embody the mother archetype. It's a nurturing energy. It's, I just, I would describe it as the energy of like eating hot soup or something like that. Like you're just sort of like, you feel warm on the inside. Like you feel warm and fuzzy on the inside. It's like the energy of like a big hug. You know, it's that energy of, of you go to, you, you go to your mother when you want someone to comfort you. It's that comforting energy, which is not how we portray motherhood in our current society, but in divine mother energy, that's really more what it is. It's that, that idea of, of this, this nurture, it's nurturing energy. It's a warm nurturing energy of, of, of comfort and protection in that sense. Yeah. Mm, Yes. Yeah, definitely. Such a key part of femininity in general. Like, yeah, it's definitely not something that you have to be a mother, like, like literally have physical kids to, to have that or embody that energy. And it's so beautiful. Like that's, that's what I love about other women around me. That is one mm-hmm. of the, like, of course I love all the other aspects as well, but this mm-hmm. is just so beautiful. And, and it makes me really sad when I see us like hard in ourselves and, you know, denying ourselves from that, you know, that uh, nurturing energy. And just, you know, trying to be more masculine or trying to be like, trying to prove ourselves and, and be hard because you're efficient, you're getting things done and blah, blah, blah. So yeah. it's, it, it's, it's sad, but you can, you can also like embody that with yourself. Like, mm. let's say you're going through something really tough and y- you don't feel lovable or you've been rejected or 
whatever it is, like, I think it would be a beautiful practice for all of us to practice that mother, embodying that mother in us to nurture ourselves when we're going through something. Mm, Absolutely. Absolutely. Yes. So Mm. important. Yep. So moving on to the lover. Mm, How's the lover (laughs) walking on earth? Oh, the love, the lover energy, the lover energy. Now it's, I think, I mean, because it's, it's fun to talk about the fact that the lover is very sexual. Um, it's a very sexual energy, but it's, it's more than that. It's not just about, um, you know, lovemaking. It's about sensuality. It's literally about embracing the pleasures in life, you know, all of the pleasures in life and connecting to all of your senses. Those things can involve your sexuality. It can involve your sensuality. It's really, it's really anything that is divine pleasure and embracing that embrace, embracing the, um, just the pleasure of life. And that can look obviously different for any woman. Women are going to find different things pleasurable. Um, but it's really just allowing ourselves to enjoy pleasure and enjoy play in, in any sense. And I think that we, we vilify it, especially in women today. I mean, we could very easily bring up the the diet industry and the idea that we have this idea that the only way that you can be a certain way is to completely deprive yourself of any, of any pleasure in life, because it's like pleasure is bad. Pleasure is wrong. Um, you know, we have a whole lot of, and we could delve into a whole kinds of stuff with the media and things like that, which is probably going a whole other tangent about the idea that we, um, you know, we over-sexualize everything in the media, but yet then we say that it's wrong. And so we have that, like, that um, disconnection between, yes. like, the thing that we think is pleasurable, but of course, the th- stuff that we we show in the media is a very superficial level of sexuality and things like that. And it, it never really gets deeper. So, you know, a lot of us live in this... Um, very superficial idea of sexuality or pleasure or things like that. And we don't actually connect with what's deeper inside us, what we actually find to be pleasurable, which, you know, can be sexual or can be non-sexual and stuff. But then we also shame ourselves when we experience even the superficial pleasures because it's like, well, that's wrong. And of course it makes a lot of industries, a lot of money doing that, but it's not very good for us because we end up in this very unsatisfied way of life. Yeah. Yeah, so true. So true. And I think it would be a great exercise for, for listeners to like, just, just take one day and see how you could embody this lover energy with everything that you do. Like, I love that you said, Sarah, um, like find pleasure in anything like in the morning when you're drinking your cup of tea, can you find pleasure in that reorient yourself like throughout the day so that you can reactivate those neural pathways that are, you know, bringing the pleasure to your, like your, your sphere. (laughs) Right. Mm. So that that's something I love to do sometimes. And I've never really thought about it, like in terms of archetypes, but this is just a really great, like, um, um, list of pointers, like, okay, have I practiced my lover energy? (laughs) Have I Mm -hmm. practiced in, in the, like the past week, the past month, have I been completely um, disconnected from this? Like, okay, maybe I have. Okay, well, what can I do? Okay, I'll I'll start focusing on the pleasure I can feel with the simplest of things, whether it's sexual or non-sexual. Like, go through your day and find the things that feel good and be in the present moment. And if you're constantly thinking about the future, then you cannot really find the pleasure in this moment. So. And also the idea of, you know, feminine energy is such a receptive energy. And that's something that so many women are so disconnected from. I mean, that's like one of the biggest problems I think that women are having today is that they're so disconnected from being able to receive anything really. I mean, and even compliments, most women can't even handle accepting a compliment nowadays. So it, it's really about being open to receiving pleasure. I mean, a a big exercise I've been doing lately is because I used to be like terrified of the sun because I bought into all that propaganda about the sun being bad for you. So I actually will like go outside and like lay in the sun and just practice like receiving sunlight just feeling like I'm receiving the sunlight within me and stuff. And that's been like a really good training practice for being like, Oh, I'm actually like receiving 
good things into my life. Yes. Yeah. That's a great, great uh, thing that everyone can do. Well, depending on where you're in the world, but mm-hmm. you and I, I can won't be do doing that, that in the winter time here, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, I was just thinking about like, yeah, six, five, six months of winter here in Finland. So, <laughs> <laughs> but um, yes, so definitely, definitely practice receiving in any of the forms. And I don't think people think about like receiving nature, receiving the sun. I think that's a beautiful Mm -hmm. example of how you can practice receivership because it's not just about, you know, you and other people Mm. can be other things as well. Right. Okay. So moving on to the huntress, Mm -hmm. the huntress. Yeah. How does she, how does she like portray herself? The huntress is is very similar, like I said, to the the warrior energy and masculine energy. It the huntress is the one who will she will fight. She will, and I don't I don't I don't mean getting a physical fist fight or something like that. Although, hey, if it comes to that, no judgments. But um, it's it's really the energy of it's also it's the energy of setting boundaries of because that's so important when you're dealing with feminine energy because you know, again, like if you're in your maiden energy all the time, it's beautiful. It's wonderful. But if you don't know how to connect to that part of you that is willing to stand up for yourself and stand up for the things you believe in and the things that are important to you and for your standards, Mm -hmm. and you don't learn to set those fierce boundaries, you can very easily get taken advantage of. And so it's very much about knowing what's important to you and being willing to when I say fight for that, it's stand up for that, stand up for that energy. And I think too, it's also, um, you know, it's, it's, it's knowing how to word this, but it's like, it's knowing when is the time to stand up for something and when is the time Mm -hmm. to, um, to fight, to move forward. When is the time to, to sort of stand back and, you know, it's, it's, it's really, it's, it's that warrior. It's that, that fight in you. All right. So the huntress, yes. So boundary setting, right. Boundary setting, I, super I love that. Important. I never thought about that. Like, uh, you know, thinking about huntress, because setting boundaries, but it makes sense because you are creating those, you're creating the structure for yourself, which is the boundaries a part of that and, and your own safety and, and uh, so that you can thrive with it, you know, with yourself so that's a beautiful thing I never thought about that actually yeah because you can't really relax into your feminine energy and to relax into some of these other archetypes if you don't feel if you don't know deep down inside that you can keep yourself safe you know and that you at the end of the day if another person at any point becomes untrustable that you don't have the ability to actually say, okay, I can protect myself now. Like it's, it's beautiful. It's wonderful to have a man protect you. I mean, we all want that as we all Mm -hmm. want that masculine who will protect us, but it's also really important to know within ourselves that we have the power within us to step into that level of protection for ourselves in the same way that it's great to learn how to connect to our mother for ourselves and to know how to mother ourselves. It's also really great to know that we will, we can protect ourselves. Like we can stand up and actually, um, you know, keep ourselves protected, but from an open-hearted place, it's not the same as sort of putting up. I mean, when you think of the huntress, you could think of a shield, but it's, it's a shield of, of protection and not a shield of trying to keep out, you know, everything in your life. It's a shield of knowing like, okay, I know this is unsafe now. I can put up my shield and protect myself when I need to, but I also know when I can lower my shield and when I can let in the good stuff, when I can let in the love, when I can let in the pleasure, when I can let in those things. Like, you know, when it's important to have that shield up and when it's important to put it down. Mm, Yeah. That makes sense. That makes sense. Yeah, definitely. So what about the wise woman? The wise woman, I... I associate the wise woman with sort of the the inner knowing. It's our intuition. It's our inner wisdom. It's the part of us that knows, like as as women in reality, I mean, the more, especially the more that we connect with our feminine energy, but I think even, even those of us that aren't connected to our feminine energy, there's always that part of us that like after something happens, even if it's something bad, we're kind of like, yeah, I knew that was going to happen. Like I kind of knew, I knew. Like there's a part of us that always knows we just don't listen to ourselves. And at a certain point, it's like, I think, you know, and that's one of the reasons why I think people associate that with, 
with your older years is because then you get more life experience. But I think we, we can embody that even in our younger years. It's just, we're kind of conditioned to be very disconnected from our bodies and disconnected from our intuition with, you know, everything that's going on with the, we pump ourselves full of hormones and foods and medications and Mm -hmm. birth control and all that kind of stuff, which is a whole other conversation, (laughs) but we really disconnect ourselves from our bodies. And I think it's one of the things is, you know, once you get to a certain age, I mean, for me getting to a certain age was sort of like, oh, I saw all the times that I knew ahead of time, what was going to happen. It gave me the permission to trust myself so that like the next time I saw something coming, I could be like, okay, I was right in the past because I think oftentimes we don't trust ourselves. We don't trust our own inner intuition. When we do see something coming up, we're like, okay, I think this is a bad idea. Or I think this is a bad move. Or I think this is a bad person. But if the world or this person or whatever is telling us that this is a good thing, we can start to question ourselves and question our own, our own truth, our own intuition. And we don't listen to it. And then that's usually when we get burned. And then I think a lot of the times the, the anger and frustration we have at ourselves when that happens is really, we're angry at ourselves for not actually trusting in our own, our own intuition. And that's why that inner wise woman is so important because as women, I mean, it's, it's this incredible power. I mean, it's this incredible gift that we have. I was actually, I did a podcast with a friend of mine who's actually, she's like a PhD in psychology and all this kind of stuff. And I was talking to her about this and I was like, is she going to think I'm really like woo woo or like, really like, like off about, and she was like, no, there's actually like studies about women's brain chemistry and things like that, that we actually are more intuitive. Like there's actual science behind it. This is Mm -hmm. not just a, you know, some idea that we just came up with. That's like, Oh yeah. Women's intuition. Ha ha. Like, no, there's, it's actually rooted in, in science and history. It's rooted in all those things. And it's such an untapped thing that we just, Oh, I just, we need to tap Mm -hmm. into it now. (laughs) Yeah. Well, think about this. Like the, the rational has been the focal point of our Western society for some hundred, hundred years now. And the intuition was like seen as this like woo woo thing, right? But now we know we're literally like um, proving the whole concept of female intuition with science, with the rational. So I think that's just so funny thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. It's like it's it's true, and I do think that we we conduct our society very much from the from the masculine, which is in the mind, the masculine is about the mind and the feminine is in the body and our intuition is in our body. It's in our heart. It's, it's in our, our womb wisdom. It's, 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 it's fully rooted in our bodies. And I mean, we, if we keep women disconnected from their bodies, we won't tap into our intuition as much. And I think there's a lot of people in society that are very afraid of women's intuition um, as maybe they should be, but um, you know, it's, it, I think that's one of the reasons why I think they keep us very disconnected from that because we're, we're easier to control and manipulate that way. Yeah, it's true. True. So what we have left, we have the queen and the, we didn't do the, didn't do the wild woman yet. Wild woman. Okay. Is, is wild woman like the mystic? Is that, um, I think, or cause you I could I, call it that you could call it, you could call the wild woman the or mystic. sage or something like that. I don't know. Well, again, there's different terminologies for yeah. it. The sage, I, I think, is sometimes referred to as the wise woman. I think okay, the sage okay. And the so wise then it's the mystic. Similar. I think the wild woman is more like the mystic. Yeah. Because I was the looking mystic. at this list and, and, and it had mm-hmm. like mystic and sage and not the wild woman and the, and, the, and, the, and the wise woman. But I guess those are like the same thing. I mean, so, kind of the same thing. Different people just have different terminologies. Yeah, yeah for exactly. Them. Exactly. Yeah. I've heard so, some people call the lover like the sacred slut energy. And I've heard people, you know, refer to some of these things as different <laughs> energies. I like the lover energy better, but that's just my my thing. But yeah, the, the mystic, I would say, would be a little bit more like the wild woman. Yeah, right. So what does she look like? Like, how, how does she act? Well, I mean, she's there's a, there's some overlap, I would say, with her and the wise woman, because there is a lot of intuition. But I feel like it's a very primal energy. Um, it's very much the energy of getting back to the roots of our, of our femininity, of our feminine energy, getting back to the, um, to being unafraid of speaking your truth, of speaking your mind, of not being afraid to stir things up, uh, the energy of, you know, uh, I've talked before in some of my content about the witch wound and this idea that, you know, many women keep themselves suppressed. We don't connect to 
that deeper primal part of us, the the medicine woman, the midwife, the all those things, because in history, many of us or many of our ancestors were burned for being for being different, for for using their intuition, for being um, you know, connecting to pleasure for those kind of things. Like those kind of things were were suppressed. And the wild woman or, or mystic, I would say, is somebody who really gets back to the root of of who we are as women, of what feminine energy truly is, that primal aspect of it, and then is not afraid to stir things up and bring that stuff out and not afraid to bring that to the world and say, hey, this is what the feminine is. This is what feminine energy is. I mean, that's what my content is. That's what your podcast is. Like, that's all like we're, we're embodying our wild woman in that sense of like, we're re we're reclaiming what our, what our true feminine energy is. And even though there's a lot of people who aren't going to like it, we're going to bring it to them anyway. And we're going to say, you know what, this is us. I'm, I am woman. Hear me roar. Like it's going to be this whole, like, I, I, that's what I think of as the mystic. It's really connecting to like that true primal aspect of our feminine and then being able to, to speak our truth and speak it to the world and show the world and not being afraid to kind of stir the pot a little bit with it. Mm, Yep. Yep. Yeah, that's what we're here to do. Yep. Saying the politically correct things. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> right. So then lastly, the queen. Mm-hmm. How is she queen like? Queen energy. Mm. Queen energy. I mean, I think of the queen as just the full embodiment of all of the archetypes. Like when you really step into all of your feminine archetypes, you know, you have your fierce boundaries, you have that, that nurturing energy, you have that optimism, you, you embrace your pleasure, you know how to receive, uh, you know, you're not afraid to speak your truth, you connected to your intuition, like all those things are queen energy. I also think of queen energy very much as, you know, I define like masculine leadership as leading with direction. And I define feminine leadership as leading by inspiration. And I think of the queen as being somebody who is, has a, typically has a, a tribe or a group or whatever that is, whether that just be her family or whether that be a group of people. And she knows how to lead them, but she does it with feminine inspiration. It's not a matter right. of telling people what to do, of saying, this is what you're supposed to do. This is what is, isn't what you're supposed to do. It's by, it's leading by example. It's leading by inspiration. It's embodying all of those things and then bringing it to the world and saying, Hey, this is me. This is and, and giving people permission to step into that energy themselves. And I think of that as being queen energy. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Mm. It's like a culmination of all those, like coming together and you're s- stepping on, like you're sitting on your throne, right? That's yeah. Well, that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes. So I, I love this. this. This has been really great. Like, I, I don't know why I haven't like gone into the feminine archetypes before, but, but it was a great, great doing with you. Like maybe that was just how it was meant to be. It's fate. (laughs) Oh, everything's meant to happen for a reason. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Definitely. So before, like, I think this conversation is coming to an end now. So, um, before you go my last question for all my guests, uh, guests is what do you most cherish about being a woman? And then you can tell us where we can find you online. I most cherish about being a woman. I honestly, it's, it's definitely intuition. It's definitely being tied to that feminine intuition, that inner knowing that inner wisdom, which is so, so dear to me. And I, I, it's why it's such a big part of my message because I really feel like it's, it's just so important for women to embrace that about themselves. So I love, love that feminine intuition. And I also love, if I can pick two things, um, I also love the idea that feminine energy is so multidimensional because we have so many of these archetypes. We all contain them within us. We have so many different flavors and and there's so many different variations of it. And I, I, I love the idea that connecting to your feminine energy is is so multidimensional and we can all, your feminine is going to look different than my feminine, but we all embrace that energy within us. And that's just, 
I, that's just so near and dear because I just think when we get pushed into this narrow little box of like what we're supposed to be like, it's so limiting. I mean, and it's just not as much fun. I mean, it's just, it makes the world more fun when we get to embrace all these different flavors. So I just, I love that about being a woman. Yes. Yeah, definitely. And, and just now thinking about these archetypes, like it, it just gives you the permission, like to to feel these out in your in yourself in your life like how does it feel to embody the mother the lover the mystic or the the wild woman or the queen the huntress the maiden like you just see your own multi-dimensional self in a new light mm. and you have this newfound appreciation for this beautiful thing called femininity again so that it's not this narrow concept of of flowy dresses and and a certain color palette right or or acting only in the maiden type of way right yeah i love that love that and where where can we find you online um, well, you can find me on my my blog, everydaystarlet.com. And I also have a, a YouTube channel, which is Everyday Starlet. If you want to look me up there, I'm very active on there. Um, my TikTok is Everyday Starlet. I've been doing a lot of stuff on TikTok, which is crazy, but it's it's, it's fun. So, um, And then you can also find me on Instagram. I'm very active on Instagram, which is my name at Sarah Blodgett. Mm, yes. <laughs> Thank you so much, Sarah. It was a pleasure. It was so much fun having you here. Oh my God. Thank you so much. I'm so happy. So glad I could do this. I hope you enjoyed this episode and learned something new as well as received some serious inspiration on your feminine journey. And I would so appreciate it if you could rate and review this podcast and subscribe. It really helps in the podcasting world so that we can reach more women who might be interested in these types of topics. And if you're curious to hear my music, you can always check out Joem on any of the streaming platforms and the link will be in the description below. Thank you so much for listening and I hope to have you join me in the next episode.